Angus McFarland is the secretary of the New South Wales branch of the Australian Services Union. He grew up in the Blue Mountains and attended school in Penrith. He was assistant secretary of the ASU from 2015 until September last year when he was elected secretary. So it's actually your six month anniversary. Welcome, Angus. Thanks so much, Deb. Um, yes, it is. Um, and uh, it's a real um, uh, privilege and quite fun to be able to talk to you today. Um, at being from the Blue Mountains, um, I used to listen to this uh, radio station myself um, when I lived uh, in the mountains. Um, so it's nice to now be uh, presenting, uh, being interviewed <laughs> on the station. So hello to all listeners um, and great to be talking with you. And for listeners who can't, um, you may not know this, Angus, you can actually listen live online now through the RBM website if you can't get the... Uh, of course. Great. The Australian Services Union is well known for its winning campaign for paid domestic violence leave and for the historic equal pay campaign, which delivered pay increases of up to $650 a week for community and disability workers. But it's probably less well known that the ASU also represents Sydney water workers. Uh, what sort of work do your Sydney water members do? Yeah, so um, the Australian Services Union is uh, a, a really diverse uh, union. So we represent workers in the community and disability sectors um, where we're well known for our campaigns around things like equal pay. But we also represent workers in the airlines, travel and aviation industry, right. uh, in the transport industry. So we were a part of the long sort of dispute with the New South Wales government around rail um, wages and conditions and of course in the water industry so and it's because the history of the ASU we were sort of an amalgamated union and for those who um, know their union history in the 80s and 90s lots of unions sort of teamed up together and amalgamated to form larger unions and the water board sort of union joined into the ASU. So at Sydney Water, we cover pretty much everyone. Um, okay. So from people who work uh, in maintenance and come out and assist if uh, um, anything goes wrong in your area, to the treatment plants that treat the water and keep it safe and clean, to the labs uh, that test the water. So our members, for example, were part of the COVID response, testing the sewage to work okay. out where is their, where are their COVID fragments. Um, and obviously to all of the administrative clerical uh, uh, head office uh, workers um, and including even to um, some social workers um, who work at Sydney Water to support people who might be uh, having difficulty with their bill payments okay. and to support them in accessing bill relief and support and things like that. So there's 3,000 workers at Sydney Water um, and um, we have coverage over the, um, the vast bulk of them. Um, right. and it's a fairly well unionised workplace too. Oh, good. Okay. So they're, they're really essential workers if you think about it. Yep. They are. They are public sector workers. It's an essential um, uh, service, water. Um, yeah. And it's not just about our drinking water and our uh, the supplies that we have to have a glass of water and a shower and flush the toilet. It's all about keeping our uh, waterways uh, clean yeah. um, and treating uh, our sewerage and also keeping our beaches uh, clean. And 
you know, Sydney water workers worked all throughout the COVID pandemic and all of the lockdowns, like that was deemed essential work that needed to continue. They, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really concerning that this very important public service uh, and these 3,000 jobs are at, potentially at risk um, uh, at this state election. And, and moving on to the state election, after initially, and the reason we're having this interview actually, after mm. initially refusing to confirm or deny whether a re-elected Liberal state government would privatise Sydney Water, Premier Perrottet later denied that there were plans to do so. But as I was preparing these questions on Tuesday, I came across 2GB's Chris O'Keefe breaking the news that confidential documents indicated that the New South Wales government is actively considering the privatisation of a key water plant at Kemp's Creek in Western Sydney. Now, according to the TGB website, and I never thought I would be quoting TGB <laughs> anything, Chris O'Keefe has revealed confidential documents indicating the New South Wales government is actively considering the privatisation of key water plants in Kemp's Creek. Clayton Oots and KPMG were commissioned by the New South Wales government to look into ways they could privatise a key water plant in Kemp's Creek. The documents show that the government is exploring alternative funding models, including private sector investors, and that decisions relating to the Kemp's Creek plant are likely to shape long-term structure of water services in Australia. The Upper South Creek Advanced Water Recycling Centre at Kemp's Creek has been contracted to Trility, a company owned by the Beijing Enterprises Water Group, which is also owned by the Chinese Communist Party. Chris argued that this amount of privatisation and that outsourcing the management of a key piece of water infrastructure to a company owned by the Chinese Communist Party is concerning. We're not about an apartment block or a commercial property. We're talking about our water, Chris said. Well, apart from the dog whistling about Chinese people and the Chinese Communist Party, um, in March 2020, Perite denied planning a scoping study into the privatisation of Sydney Water, but Clayton Oots and KPMG looked into privatisation options in January 2020 and in November 2021. So, Angus, with all of these conflicting stories and denials, what can we believe? Well, I think what we can think of is what, what are the facts and what are the records when it comes to this state government and privatisation of services? So yeah. they say they have no plans, which is interesting language, isn't it? It doesn't actually rule it out or say they won't do it. They say there are no plans, but let's look at the history of their rhetoric. So when they were elected in 2011 as a, the Liberal uh, state government, within 12 months, they'd privatised Sydney Ferries. Yep. Uh, two years later, they then privatised uh, Hunter Water Treatment Plants and Labs. In 2017, they uh, announced they were considering um, privatising parts of Sydney Water then, which was going to be the uh, treatment and civil maintenance and one quarter of its workforce. Now, that didn't happen because ASU members campaigned and we uh, and fought vigorously against it. Um, and so your listeners might not recall this because it kind of, we won a campaign to stop it from happening, but they did try to do it in 2017. 
Um, in 2017, they also privatised the Land Titles Office. They, of course, famously privatised electricity. Uh, they privatised the Newcastle buses and in 2018, the Inner West buses. Then at the 2019 election, so the last state election, Premier Berejiklian was asked during the election campaign, or oh, will you privatise anything else? And she said, no, rule it out, no plans, no. They got elected and then they privatised the rest of the buses network and they privatised WestConnex. Yeah. So I just think it's one, it's in their DNA and two, you can't trust them when they say, oh, we have no plans to yeah. do this. And then... Thirdly, we look at what's coming out now and documents showing that they have been um, outsourcing uh, one of the um, uh, water treatment plants, uh, but also looking at how they could do this um, more broadly. And I think to your point, it's really irrelevant as to which company or what country the company comes from that they're seeking to outsource. It's the very fact that they are just seeking to do that in the first place and introduce the profit motive into the delivery of essential water services. Um, water services should only be based and driven on safe, reliable water. Um, that needs to be the primary goal uh, and focus of delivering water, not profit making. That's right. Um, yeah, so it's pretty concerning. And the same goes for any public service because profit making, so when you look at a private company, they make a profit out of dense populations and a public service delivers to people whether you live somewhere where it can be affordable or not. So the ASU has commissioned its own report from the Australia Institute Centre for Future Work. What did they find? Yes, yeah, so we asked the Centre for Future Work to do a bit of an analysis as to, well, if the Liberals did privatise Sydney Water, like what would that mean? What would that yeah. mean for um, ratepayers? What would it mean for government? What would it mean for union members working there um, and our state? Um, and they looked at international uh, examples of where water had been privatised. They also looked at where it had been privatised in other states in, in Australia. And their report was pretty alarming. Uh, firstly, they modelled... Um, water rates uh, in, in the United States and the UK where water had been privatised and it demonstrated that um, for rate payers, uh, rates would go up on average 59% uh, when privatised um, and that's going to be at least about $260 per household on average per year um, indefinitely and indexed and inflation, et cetera. So that would keep going up. So that's the first thing, rates would go up. The second thing is that Sydney Water um, actually does, uh, when it does make any money, I guess, in terms of dividends, and it each year it fluctuates, that's returned to the state government yeah. to provide for other public services. Those dividends don't go to private shareholders. They go to back to the people, right, and to government. And on average, Sydney Water actually returns um, between $600 and $800 million a year, and it also pays taxes as a corporation, a public corporation too. Yeah. So the government would lose that money every year. Now, that's the equivalent of like four to 5,000 teachers' salaries every year. Yeah. Um, or six to 7,000 nurses' salaries every year. Like that is money then that can't be spent on other public services. The other thing that the report showed from the Centre for Future Work was that um, privatisation uh, has 
failed in other states uh, and it has led to quality uh, issues and basically in WA, South Australia and the ACT where they have experimented with water privatisation, those state governments have had to since buy it back because it didn't work. Uh, quality was at risk, customer complaints went up, rates went up, um, and those state governments actually wasted a lot of money because they had to then buy it back from those private companies. So that's the other thing that was really interesting about this report was, um, and I just, I wasn't aware of the history of water in Western Australia, for example, and that had happened. Um, so that's also really interesting that they pointed to that where this has happened in similar um, circumstances, like in other Australian states, uh, yeah. it has been a complete failure yeah. and it has ended up costing the government way more over time because they've had to actually uh, forego the, the, the dividends and then buy it back. Okay. And those dividends are also, uh, the shortfall would be met by citizens paying more tax, I guess. Or... That's right. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or, or doing without services is the other way that they recover money so exactly okay and of course sydney water doesn't only supply us with drinking water as you mentioned before they also manage our sewerage and our wastewater and here in the mountains the catchment areas so what's the previous experience of the impact of privatization on these services here and overseas yeah so it is really important to think that um so many so many features of what makes our city, and I'm, I'm, I, I use the word city in the broad sense as the Blue Mountains being part of the city, um, beautiful and why we love where we live in the mountains or by the beach is because of our beautiful waterways yeah. and it's because of our pristine beaches. I mean, that, that's what makes Sydney, Sydney, right? It's what makes us different and some might say better than um, other uh, parts of Australia or other um, competitor cities. And uh, Sydney water plays a crucial role in that because it does keep our beautiful waterways uh, clean and safe uh, and our beaches, um, the stunning attraction that they are um, to visitors from across the city, across the country, across the world. And that is actually something that would be at risk under uh, privatised uh, water. And examples we have, um, uh, basically it's because that fundamental um, premise that we spoke about earlier, if you introduce the profit motive into the delivery of water, it becomes the uh, the focus, right? And, it, and sometimes it would override, for example, quality and safety concerns, yep. which I think should be the number one issue when you're looking at water. Um, and so we have seen issues where in South Australia there were... Um, uh, there was kind of leaks and, and contamination of the water when it was privatised. It was quite scandalous at the time. And when it was investigated, it was seen to be linked to essentially kind of cost cutting and profit motives. Um, and similarly, overseas, there have been uh, examples of that um, too. Um, and it's, it's pretty concerning. So I think that that's something that we need to uh, remember. Um, it's not just our drinking water. It's uh, our beautiful waterways across across this great city. Which um, influences the rest of the environment as well. That's right. That care about the environment. This is Rights, Rorts and Rants on RBM 89.1 FM 
streaming live on www.rbm.org.au. And if you think about it, um, 3,000 workers, that's that's not a lot of people to take care of such a, a big and important resource. If, if I, I don't think. I think that's actually pretty efficient and um, they're doing a pretty good job. I wonder if you could just explain a little bit what the difference between corporatisation and privatisation is, because I believe Sydney, I could be wrong, I believe Sydney Water is corporatised. Yes, so that is right. So it is public, it's 100% publicly owned, um, but it's set up in a, it's like a statutory corporation. So it's set up in a um, corporate uh, structure, um, which, you know, d does, out, you know, concern, um, I mean, it's been like that for a long time, but I mean, there are obviously uh, concerns around models like that because it brings in, I guess, um, the idea is that uh, public owned um, uh, services should be run, run and modelled on private companies, even if they're not actually making a profit, so to speak, for shareholders. Yeah. Um, they should adopt kind of the corporate uh, managerialism uh, approaches. And that means things like CEOs and executives on very big, um, salaries and bonuses and and all of that. Um, so that is um, Sydney Water is a statutory corporation, but it's still a public service though because it's still wholly owned uh, and reports to the. I think the two shareholders are the Premier and the Treasurer, or the Treasurer and the Water Minister, um, and and that's on behalf of all of us. Right. Yeah, so okay. It's not. It's not privatized, but I guess it has. It's, it's corporatized a bit because it's, okay. it's a. It's a statutory by statute. It's an independent statutory um, corporation, but wholly publicly owned. So it's still a public service, but that does change its um, focus a little bit away from public service to, uh, but not completely to, paying for at least paying for itself. That kind of thing and generating potentially dividends and things for the for the um, for the government. However, I know that all of our members that work there uh, would see like see it as a public service. Public I don't think that, you service, know, yeah. that 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 it's that's really about how the the management structure works at the, at the very top and the executive and the board and all of that. Um, but for our members who are working in the customer call center or in out in the maintenance teams supporting people when things go wrong, um, certainly see their work as um, public service to the people. Okay, and and for the public good. So. That's right. Okay, so if people um, oppose the privatisation of Sydney Water, what action can they take to um, try and stop that from happening? Well, um, and and I should just say I have been. Um, overwhelmed by the amount of public support for our campaign and that's great um i was uh we um spent yesterday morning handing out at 26 train stations across sydney about the threat of privatization if the liberal state government is returned and you know so many people stopped us to say oh this is just appalling i've heard about this like you can't why would can't privatise water. Like there was genuine, you know, as someone who is an activist and has handed out at lots of street stalls or train stations across many campaigns and issues over the years, um, I've not had this much uh, engagement where people will stop and want to have a conversation yeah. and express yeah. to you how angry they are about this. Um, and so 
you know, that that does um, give our members some confidence that the public is on side, but that does need to be demonstrated by everyone uh, at, at in the state election, frankly. So um, polls open this Saturday and uh, and uh, they as for pre-poll for a week and then the election's on the 25th of March. So I think the first thing is don't risk the Liberals. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we are saying quite explicitly um, people need to vote to change the government to get rid of this risk and we certainly have seen uh, the opposition um, and the Greens um, coming out strongly saying absolutely no way would they let this happen um, and uh, so that gives us some comfort there um, that if the government were to change um, Sydney Water would be protected but beyond that I think it's all about it's also just about getting involved um, because the threat of privatisation um, has been an ongoing one for Sydney Water, but for all public services. And I think, you know, if you're not a member of your union, join one. Uh, everyone has a union they could join. Um, if you're not involved in um, politics, consider joining or getting involved in a political party. Um, and uh, or a community group like um, Blue Mountains Union Council, etc., um, to really work with other like-minded people around these issues at a grassroots community level, because it doesn't just stop with an election. Um, so uh, even if the government does change, we need to continue to demonstrate the public support for public services, yeah. Yeah. Um, because um, that is what will hold the new government to account as well and make sure that they don't get tempted by any KPMG advice or otherwise to do yes. something <laughs> silly. Um, so I think that's a thing. And the other obvious thing is, you know, talk to your family and your friends and your community about this. Um, conversations matter and conversations count. I think that, I don't know what you think, Deb, but I've, I've had a bit of a sense, maybe until just this week, that with everything going on, people being very busy, um, uh, the cost of living skyrocketing, um, I'm just not sure that people have thought a lot about the state election. I think the campaign's been a bit in the background um, yeah. and also with the media coverage a bit as well. Um, so I think that a lot of people are only just switching on now to, okay, yep, there's a state election. Who am I going to vote for? What do I think? And you can see that reflected in the, the, the polling where I think a third or more of people are completely undecided. Yeah. But that, uh, the election is really going to be determined in the final sort of 24 to 48 hours. So if you are a true believer convert to uh, supporting um, public services and keeping Sydney water in public hands, then talk to all of your friends and family, because I'm sure there are people within your networks and within your community that haven't made up their mind, that haven't thought about the election, um, and they might not know, therefore, what is really at stake. Yeah. Um, so I'd encourage that too. Okay, great. Thank you. I agree. Actually, I, I, was, I went to Blackheath yesterday to distribute some flyers for our politics in the pub that's happening on Saturday. And um, one of the shopkeepers I talked to, he said, oh, but aren't Labor in power? And I went, no, the state government, that's a state mm. election. It's so, yeah, I agree. And I think there's there's a little bit of federal election fatigue as well. That was yes. such a long thing. Um, people were a little bit tired of hearing about politicians and politics. But, um, yes, it's a very important election coming up for the state and, and I agree. And the state, I mean, the federal election um, 
captured a lot of attention, understandably, because it's sort of kind of, you know, about the direction of our country. And there was a lot of um, focus on that last year. But we can't forget that state governments are the ones who actually provide most of the services to people, you know, yeah. schools, hospitals, um, community services, water, <laughs> transport. Yeah. I mean, they're all funded and provided by state governments. And the government that we would have most interaction with on a day-to-day -day basis is most likely the state government, really. So, um, but I think, you know, a lot of people might not understand the difference between different layers of government, who does what, which is fair enough. But it, it is something, again, to remember that the state government can really impact our lives quite significantly. Yeah, our daily on, lives. Too, that's right, who, who, who is in Quarry Street. Okay, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. No worries. I wish your listeners a uh, lovely day and weekend. Um, and uh, fingers crossed for a good outcome for Sydney Water next Saturday. Yes, great. Thank you, Angus. Thanks, Deb. See you later. Bye. Okay. This is Rights, Rorts and Rants on RBM 89.1 FM, streaming live on www.rbm.org. Dot au.